This week on the Internet Podcast, we're talking all about United States Air Force test from Major Jared Evans. Hit it. Welcome back to the Internet Podcast. Tonight we're taking a uh, slightly different angle from purely aviation-related topics. So tonight we have Major Jared Evans. Is that correct? It um, is. Yeah. So if you want to go ahead and introduce yourself, tell me who, briefly who you are, where you grew up, where you went to school, what made you want to join the Air Force, what you've done in the Air Force, and where you're at now. So, yeah, for sure. So uh, my name is Jared Evans. Um, uh, active duty officer uh, in the in the United States Air Force. Um, I am currently working as um, uh, the director of the early stage investment uh, for AFWorks and, and AF Ventures. So um, uh, my, my programs are really centered around uh, the small business innovative research, SBIR, and the small business technology transfer, STTR, uh, programs and administering those and, and making those better uh, for small businesses to be able to work with, with the DOD and with the now Department of the Air Force, which is pretty cool. So as for background, um, you know, grew up uh, uh, in North Carolina um, and ultimately went to uh, North Carolina State to pursue uh, engineering degree. Um, mechanical engineering was my, uh, was my focus while I was there. And, um, you know, growing up, my dad had been in the Air Force, but he hasn't, uh, you know, he wasn't in while I was around. Uh, it was it was pre pre me, if you will. Um, and uh, so he always, you know, had a had a tie into aviation, always really loved uh, working on airplanes. He was an air traffic controller specifically. So, you know, he would always be able to kind of, uh, you know, when we went to air shows or, you know, we happened to be around an airport. He would always be able, always be able to point out specific aircraft and, and tell yeah. me tell me cool stories about you know his interaction with them um uh while he was in the air force and, and even afterwards so i kind of grew up with a with a you know it's certainly an interest in aviation and and uh just kind of i always thought i had a kind of a cool factor uh that i just you know i didn't get other places so when i was uh when i was at nc state doing mechanical engineering and understood that they had uh, an ROTC program. Um, I was kind of familiar with the with the idea of being in the military, right? I mean, you hear about people doing that, you know, in high school or whatever. And um, you know, this was a chance to uh, not only you know get that military experience and and work on some cool projects, but but do it uh, in my particular case as a, as an officer and uh, do it as an engineer, right? So there's a couple of different kind of you know you can do the you can do one thing, but you can do it a variety of different ways, right? And so you can be in the military uh, uh, in a couple different capacities. And, and uh, I thought that worked, worked best for what I was, what I thought was, was cool at the time, right? And so um, jumped in, uh, was selected as a, a developmental engineer uh, as, uh, in the Air Force. That's a specific career field. If you're looking at Air Force specialty codes, AFSCs, that's a 62 ECHO. Um, so you can read up on those, but basically, you know, the Air Force has two different types of engineers. They have civil engineers uh, who work uh, a lot of infrastructure, kind of roads, bridges, and buildings, and, and so on. You know, very similar to like a civilian civil engineer. 
Uh, and then you have these developmental engineers. Uh, we like to joke that, you know, civil engineers build, build targets and uh, the developmental engineers build weapons. So um, uh, that was, you know, we, we give them a hard time, but they do, they do incredible work. Uh, in any case, so uh, when I jumped in the Air Force, my first assignment was, uh, I, before we get there, uh, you commission as a, as a second lieutenant, like literally the day after you graduate. So there's, there's two ceremonies that you track when you, when you graduate college, uh, when you get to that point, right? One is, well, graduation, uh, and the other is the actual your commissioning ceremony. So that's pretty cool. Uh, my first assignment was down in Florida. So up in the panhandle of Florida, Eglin Air Force Base. Um, uh, I did uh, weapons planning, essentially, right? So weapons development planning. So thinking about um, uh, new and innovative ways to kind of uh, implement some of those systems, uh, which is pretty interesting. Again, you know, kind of get to jump into some of those those niche Air Force problem sets that, you know, most folks don't get to kind of see, uh, which is pretty, pretty interesting. And, um, you know, got to work with some, some really fantastic folks. Uh, I worked in that first job for two years. And uh, as is custom with Air Force folks in the military, you know, you get moved around a whole bunch, right? So you can expect to to change jobs, if not change locations every, every two to four years in my particular case. So first, first yeah. job was two years. Uh, which was great. It was a lot of planning. Uh, it was a lot of office type of work, uh, which was cool. Like I said, you know, a lot of great exposure to, uh, to systems and, and how the Air Force works. You know, living on the beach wasn't terrible either. Um, and then uh, kind of moved across base to a different job. So took advantage of, of being where I was and uh, moved over to, to flight testing of weapons, which was pretty cool. So, you know, got to do some interesting things in terms of remote control vehicles and tanks and so on um, so that we can test weapons on it. We can drop things off of an aircraft and, uh, and see if they do what they're supposed to do. And certainly, you know, we don't have people in those vehicles, right? Yeah. So you have to remote control them, right? And so, you know, it was interesting to kind of see some, some of that engineering in action in, uh, you know, well, how do you how do you take an Xbox controller and uh, steering wheel and make you know make a vehicle drive you know mm -hmm. ten miles away? So that was pretty cool. Um, got to got to see a lot of things and actually get outside a little bit more. Um, that was something that I enjoyed. You know, being able to get out of the office, go play on the range, and work with hardware I could touch and feel, um, which was was pretty sweet. So I did that for a couple of years as well, uh, and then right at my four year mark. Uh, of being in Florida, uh, the Air Force said, okay, thanks, you did great. Let's go move you over to uh, to Utah. So I went from the beach to the mountains and, and out there I worked on our uh, ICBM fleet. So intercontinental ballistic missiles. Uh, I worked as one of their, one of their system engineers, uh, specifically on the ordnance uh, side of the house. And so when you think of ICBMs or, or uh, ballistic missiles in general, ordnance, you kind of think as the, the, tippy top point of the, uh, uh, of the, of the situation there. But yeah. in reality, um, the department of energy handles all that, that weapon piece, that weapon stuff. Mm -hmm. Uh, the air force is mostly concerned with the rocket itself. Right. And, uh, if you ever watch one of the videos from like a SpaceX rocket, when you have like stage separation, mm -hmm. or when you have some kind of event, you know, over the course of the, uh, course of the, the flight, it's a, it's a, like, it's a very, it's a jolt. It's a very sudden event. Uh, and that's because there are ordnance pieces and parts all through that, 
you have things like explosive bolts and you have, um, you know, deck cord that, you know, facilitates uh, the, uh, the shroud coming off, right? Or you have uh, deck cord associated with stage separation. So all those things, you know, the rocket itself starts with an ordnance charge, right? You can't go up there and just light a match. That thing starts with, with a, a smaller explosion, right? And so greater and greater explosions, and finally the rocket actually lights and, and you're off the races. Yeah. So it's pretty cool. Um, so got to work on on those uh, systems all throughout the rocket, which is pretty interesting. Um, did some flight testing with those, uh, which I didn't even know was a thing uh, at the time. Yeah, I didn't either. Is we, you know, so you know, it's it's uh, if you Google it, it's not it's not secret or or you know privileged information or any of that kind of stuff. You can see, uh, and we we do public announcements. We we launch something like two or three for uh icbms a year so we'll launch them off the west coast and they'll fly across the entirety of the pacific ocean and uh, we have a, a test range on the far side um mm -hmm. where uh you know quadrilline the, the the atoll out there where we shoot them and we, you know if we analyze and make sure that these these systems which have been literally sitting in a hole for yeah. 50 60 years in some cases are still working like they're supposed to, right? And so that's all yeah. part of the engineering that goes into it. Um, so from there, I moved uh, moved again after a couple of years, uh, as is as is custom. Uh, I moved into a staff job. So you know, you start working for, um, you know, kind of getting away from the engineering for a little bit. Um, and you start working on staff. So working directly with, you know, your boss's 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 boss. Um, you know, helping pull together, you know, projects and, and so on. Um, I uh, had a deployment during that time uh, as well, which is pretty, pretty fantastic. Uh, I got to work on some operations staff. So kind of, again, getting away from engineering a little bit uh, and seeing, you know, seeing what else is out there in the world. Um, and then I came back uh, to Utah after my deployment and PCS, which permit change station, I moved down to Texas. Um, where I did a broadening, uh, a broadening assignment. So the Air Force says, hey, you know, you've been doing engineering for, for your career up to this point. Let's get you out um, and expose you to kind of some, some other parts of the Air Force. Uh, people forget how big the Air Force is. Uh, yeah. but go, go back and see some different parts of the Air Force. And, uh, and then you'll come back to the, the acquisition side, the engineering side, um, you know, and bring some of the things you learned with you. So when I was in Texas, uh, I worked uh, in an organization that did um, uh, training, and they also did uh, a fair bit of video production as well. So something totally unrelated to engineering, totally unrelated yeah. to kind of my normal career field. But that's the whole that's the whole point of broadening, right? You get to do something different with with a whole set of folks that you would never even have met otherwise, which is which is pretty cool. Uh, and then uh, after Texas, I was in Texas for, again, right at two years or so, and uh, then moved up here to Washington, D.C., uh, joining the AFWorks team. We helped set up this AF Ventures organization, and uh, we've been growing it ever since over the last um, uh, last couple of years. Um, the first bit of time when I was up here in D.C., I also worked at the Air Force Office of Scientific Research, which gets really, really technical, really engineering. Uh, they, do, they do all the basic research grants for the entirety of the U.S. educational system. So, you know, they're the ones funding, well, one of the ones funding 
you know, your Harvards and your MITs and your, you know, the research being done at your university even locally. So that was pretty cool to see that whole process, like what, what all is involved in that. Um, and so now working uh, uh, exclusively at AF Ventures and AFWorks, uh, we are program managers for these SBIR and STTR companies. And uh, we are funding research and development um, throughout the U.S. industrial base uh, to include at research universities and research institutions um, uh, across the U.S., which is really cool. So um, that's a, kind of the, the brief rundown of, uh, of my military history, at least. And, um, you know, you can kind of see as we're jumping around here, um, one of the cool things I really enjoy is, is the vari variation, right? You're not doing the same thing uh, all the time or, or forever. Um, you know that uh, even if you if you love a job or if you don't love a job, if you love a boss or you don't love a boss, right? You know, it's it's only for a, a relatively short period of time and you're getting to go, you know, and see a different part of the world and travel around a little bit. Uh, and even if in a, in a career field like mine where we don't really we don't really PCS or, or travel internationally as much as many other career fields. You know, the, the, the science and technology field is really U.S. based, um, but you still get to see lots of different cool stuff along the way and uh, uh, really, really kind of get a chance to enjoy the ride. It's pretty cool. Yeah. So I want to go back because I heard remote controlled tank. Yeah. And drive. Yeah. Absolutely. One question. How? Sure. So, like, I mean, it's the same, same general concept as like a... Um, you know, as you're like your RC airplane, mm -hmm. where you have a controller that talks wirelessly to, uh, you know, through one or more steps through uh, to, you know, a system of servos that are attached to the actual vehicle itself. And so, you know, if you can, the servo goes, you know, one direction and you're trying to control a tank with a, with a joystick, right? You're going to have a servo going this way, servo going that way. And uh, you basically set it up so that just like, you know, joystick on like an Xbox controller, you move it forward, it goes forward, right? You move it backwards, it goes backwards. And um, uh, yeah, so that, that kind of stuff happens, you know, strapping GoPros yeah. onto, onto test vehicles and getting exciting footage. Like you see from, again, like, like a company like SpaceX, mm -hmm. you can watch one of their launches and they're, you're looking down the rocket, like at the, the flame coming out the bottom. Yep. Um, you know, we can do that. Uh, on aircraft flying through the air we can do that on uh, the vehicles on the ground and uh, i mean that's actually that's actually an important part of testing to to understand what's going on and why and so when something happens that you want and or something happens that you don't want right you can go back and look at all of the the telemetry data that's being flown uh and sent back from the test article um, you can look at all the video and and start to piece together you know, what happened. And, uh, I mean, that's, that's testing. So pretty cool. That sounds really cool actually. But so can you talk about sort of what you're doing now and like how you go about maybe partnering a commercial company with the air force? Like if I wanted, let's say I'm a company that's selling combat helmets sure, or something like that. And I want to approach the air force and become like a contractor to sell that. Like, mm -hmm. how would you go about making that like connecting the two? Sure. So, I mean, there's a, a few eligibility things up front, um, not necessarily specific to this 
to, you know, to the programs that I run. Yeah. Um, but the first few things are, are registering with the government. So the government has to know you exist. They have to have all your, your information on file uh, to be able to, to do business with you. So there's a site called sam.gov. Um, I don't know if it's Sam or Beta Sam at the moment, but it's going to be one of the one of the two. And you go in and you register your business and you say, hey, you know, here's my, you know, federal tax ID number and here's my name and this is how I'm incorporated. And, you know, you just yeah. give it some basic information about your business um, and you say, hey, you know, I want to be eligible for for government contracts. There's a little bubble, little radio button that you click. Um, you can go through uh, the Duns and Bradstreet system and get a DUNS number, D-U-N-S, it's all, all caps. Um, I don't know what it stands for, DUNS, uh, off the top of my head, but it's, it's an acronym. Um, yeah. And, uh, you know, so you register in these systems and now you're, you're eligible to receive contracts. Okay, well, you know, it doesn't mean a contract just kind of falls in your lap, right? You stop to compete for them. Um, and uh, so the federal acquisition regulation says the FAR says that, uh, you know, we have to have competitive acquisition, you know, so you have to compete for these awards um, unless you have some kind of special case. Um, and so basically you go on to uh, uh, what used to be called Fed BizOps. Uh, and uh, I think it's now, there's a different website now, but basically you can go in to that website and you can see all the government contracts that are being that are out on the street, as we say. So um, the the contracts that are that are currently being completed or competed, excuse me. Uh, and uh, you go through and you you know you read about what they want and and how they want it and you know what the due dates are for the proposals and you know all that kind of fun stuff. And uh, those documents will tell you you know what they need and and when they need it. Uh, in terms of like a proposal itself. And so your company would generate a proposal and uh, would submit it, you know, based on what the documents tell you to do. And uh, you'll be considered for uh, for that government contract. Yeah, that's cool. Like I never thought about it before. Like what's the actual process? You know, yeah. I knew that there were like for aircraft, obviously there's a contract and then you, you know, you compete, but no, that's cool. Yeah, and, it, and it's funny because I mean it works the exact same way for Lockheed Martin as it would for you and your you know in the LLC. Yeah. Um, they have to go through the same process on the same website, um, but the numbers are are clearly different, right? So the yeah. requirements are clearly different. Um, yeah. So it's just a it's just a matter of you know you know if you had a company and wanted to want to participate, finding mm -hmm. things that you can uh, that you can satisfy the requirements that you can you can help us solve and and uh, and jumping in. Yeah. So I want to jump back again. Um, what type of weapons, like, so when you're doing, when you're setting up your, your Xbox tank, um, what are you going to do? Like, is there an aircraft that's going to come in and employ ammunition against it? And then you're going to like test it? Sure. Yeah. I mean, so it all, it all depends on, on what you're trying to do. Right. So um, uh, you're going to start with a program. Right. There's going to be, you know, a contractor to your point who has a contract to develop some kind of system, right? Based on the requirements of, of the government, right? And uh, there's going to be testing that's required um, per that contract, right? So the, the, the you know, the, the folks in the Air Force, the government's going to say, hey, you know, you have to build it and then you have to, you know, you have to test it and we have to see it and we have to validate that, that you're meeting these requirements, Right. 
Um, it's like, hey, you know, um, uh, you need to wear a red shirt, but then I need to see you wearing that red shirt to say that, yes, you did, right? And once I validate that information, then you can get paid, right? That's the, you know, so that's, so everybody's incentivized to pass this test. And um, in reality, it's going to be a series of tests. It's not just one. There's going to be a whole, a whole kind of parade of, of, of tests that you have, that they have to go through uh, to demonstrate that they're doing all the things that we ask them to do. And um, so with that, you, you have an idea of what you need to demonstrate, right? So from an engineering perspective, I'm going to say, hey, you know, uh, right now we're going to start with um, being able to, to strap this onto an airplane and make sure that the airplane can still fly like it's supposed to, right? So you kind of start with that. And then, okay, well, maybe I need to look at the airplane or, you know, strap it to the airplane. The airplane can actually take off now and, uh, and actually release something. Right. So now I need yeah. to make sure that it releases like it's supposed to. Right. Um, and actually, I didn't realize this was a thing when I first started, but there are wild videos out there of munitions that come off of airplanes and the munition you would expect it just to fall. But they don't always do that. They can get drop and then come back up and hit the airplane. So there's a whole analysis that goes into can this thing fall like you'd expect it to. Um, and so you kind of, you take it step by step, right? And say, okay, I can do this safely and effectively. I can do this next step safely and effectively. And eventually you get down to actually employing, you know, uh, the weapon or whatever it is um, in its kind of final state, right? And yeah. so maybe you start with uh, deploying a dummy, you know, with the same kind of center of gravity characteristics and flight characteristics. You know, you're dropping a, a, a really fancy cinder block off this airplane um, and then making sure that it goes where it's supposed to go, mm -hmm. right? And we're not testing effects yet. We're talking, we're testing the, the guidance or something, right? Yeah. Maybe you test it against a, a stationary target and then you test it against a moving target, right? So my point here is, you know, you're gonna start from things, whatever you're actually testing, and then you're gonna design a test that, that shows that effectively, right? You wanna isolate certain certain um, variables in the equation if you will and say hey you know i wanted to design a test that that really tests this one thing really well um yeah. that tests it very conclusively so that i know at the end it either worked or it didn't right mm -hmm. and um so again you kind of build up you know in complexity and, and in process and you get to a point where you know okay well i'm gonna i'm gonna release this and it's gonna find this uh this moving target and it's gonna change its flight to go where it needs to go um and uh you know part of that okay what's well, a moving target okay so this you know this car this vehicle whatever it is has to has to be moving you know are you towing it you know does that make sense do we have anything we can tow a tank you know okay well can we just drive it does the thing drive okay we can drive it but nobody wants to be in it clearly yeah. So what, what do you do, right? And the answer is, okay, well, you have RC planes, you have RC stuff. Uh, why can't you have an RC tank? Like what, what's, what's stopping us from doing that? And uh, a lot of times the answer is, well, I don't know how to do that. And so you figure it out, right? Maybe you have uh, folks that can help you on the team. Maybe somebody has, you know, experience flying RC planes and knows what to do, right? But generally you have, you have professional crews who, who can help you out uh, as you develop out the requirements. So at the end of the day, you know, you have a, you know, a dude at an Xbox wheel 
uh, steering wheel, uh, looking at a camera screen coming off a video feed, right? And he's driving this, this tank or truck or vehicle, whatever it is. Um, uh, and, um, you know, just like you would a video game. So it's, but, you know, certainly that we're having to do things in certain ways and make it repeatable. Again, it's, it's very, it's very technical in nature, but, you know, you're doing fun things along the way um, to make, make these things work like they're supposed to. Yeah. Well, that sounds really cool. Like, That's pretty interesting. Like I, you know, it's, uh, it's one of those things you're like, you know, am I actually doing this right now? Like, yeah. Did I, I just, you know, let's, let's, you come up with an idea and then being able to actually do it. Um, you know, like, I don't know that's, that's the cool part to me. Yeah. Well, like I've heard about this and, you know, I've heard about people getting contracts. So it's interesting. Well, it's really interesting and cool to me to learn, you know, like what sort of stuff goes on behind the scenes to make that type of stuff happen. Yeah, absolutely. And then you have like, you know, companies talking about, uh, they'll put out press releases and, you know, and you know what happened and, you know, working with the, with the, uh, um, working with the, the company and, and the, and the government folks to, to kind of put all that stuff together. Um, you know, we have, at the end of the day, you're going to have this like big test room. They, every person has their own screen. It's almost like what you see at NASA, right? Not to that scale, but it's the same idea in terms of everybody has their own position. And there's one director who's, who's over all of the uh, operations. And, you know, it's a, it's a to-do. I mean, those things cost a lot of money. Um, whether it's a weapon or anything else. I mean, when you're in the testing phase, they haven't set up a production line yet, right? These things don't exist in, in any large quantities. You know, these are, these are hand-built things, hand-built items. Um, and so, you know, that costs millions of dollars a piece. And so um, if, if something doesn't happen like it's supposed to, or if it's a bad, what we call a bad test, where you know, regardless of, of whether the thing functioned or not, um, it didn't test what we needed to test. We didn't, we, we, were, we weren't able to make the conclusions we needed to be able to make. Um, you know, and that can set your, set your schedule back, all kinds of uh, expenses associated with that. So there's a, there's a lot going on, but um, it's, uh, it's a pretty cool environment to play in. Yeah. Are there any projects that like, I don't know, stick out to you, whether that you've worked with in your previous position or in other positions that you've had that have either been like groundbreaking or actually groundbreaking, but you just remember them for some reason? Yeah, I mean, I, I think the tank is a is a is a good example. Um, you know, I have we were doing some flight testing on on a um, a a a, um, a bomb essentially that is designed to kind of go into the ground a lot farther it wasn't like a surface thing it was a you know something that's designed to to, to penetrate a bit deeper into the ground and uh, they've got two lugs at the top that hook onto the airplane mm -hmm. and in this particular case you know when the bomb is going into the ground those lugs are sticking out right those those hoops those you know those attachment points are are kind of hanging out um, and so when it goes into the ground, those shear off. And, uh, I had a, I had a case, it's like a, I don't know if it's a 1 million thing or not, but I had a, a, a test I did where those sheared off when they went into the ground, that first lug, as it went off, sheared off and looped through the second, that second mm -hmm. one sheared off and they were locked together. And, huh. uh, and, uh, it was a it was an inert 
weapon that we were doing. So there wasn't any yeah. you know, blows or anything associated with it. So we were going up looking at, at you know, looking at the hole essentially afterwards. And uh, I pulled it out of the dirt and was like, what in the world happened? And, uh, you know, it's just one of those kind of crazy things like that's, that's incredible. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then now, I mean, uh, kind of fast forward to what we're doing now. I mean, we're not doing the engineering for the projects that we're funding. Uh, you know, contractors are, companies are. Yeah. And, but we're, we're paying for it. We, we selected them via our process. We're trying to find the best small businesses and the best concepts uh, that are out there. And we're funding hundreds and thousands of contracts at a time. Um, and uh, it's cool to see, like really super cool to see what those companies are coming up with. So, I mean, you may have seen in the, in, in the news, even just a few weeks ago, we let a contract for uh, Hermius. So the next, yep. uh, next generation uh, supersonic transport. Yep. Like that was one of our contracts. We yep. let that. Um, uh, through the presidential airlift, like that was that was a company who is, who had come through our process. Um, so to be able to be a part of that kind of stuff is 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 really cool. Yeah. Is there like other than that? Is there one product maybe or one company that sticks out to you as you've been going through and funding contracts? I don't think there's one company that comes to mind. Um, to be honest, I mean, like I said, there's lots of different. There's lots. There's so much cool stuff out there. Yeah, there really is like, and that's, I think that's probably the, maybe the one, the one kind of takeaway is that um, whether it's the air force or um, the commercial side, um, you know, with the companies doing this, this, you know, breakneck research, um, there's so much cool stuff out there. Yeah. And um, I was always kind of apprehensive about, well, what do I want to get into? And, you know, what field do I want to be in? What companies do I want to, you know, kind of work with or, you know, at, and there's so much cool stuff out there. Uh, it's just a matter of kind of uh, kind of picking one and seeing how it goes, and and um, uh, just really kind of jumping in, right? Yeah, yeah. So looking back over your whole career, is there one maybe like piece of advice that you would give, or something that you found out and that helped you in your career? Sure. I mean, you know, there's a few different ways to kind of go about it. I mean. As you, as you grow up, right, and you mature, and you, you know, you kind of move out of kid stage and teenage kid stage and, you know, college age, and you start moving in, you know, really kind of being into your own a little bit, being kind of being your own person, uh, you always assume that everybody else knows what they're talking about. You assume that the older folks, like, have an idea of what's going on. Mm -hmm. You have an idea, you know, you assume that um, you know, somebody has all the answers, right? And um, the reality is they don't. And the, like, when you get there and you're like, I thought I was supposed to know all the answers now. And you're like, no, nobody does. Nobody knows all the answers. We, we're, we're doing our best all along the way. And that's from like a personal and professional point of view. I mean, where everybody's doing their best and, and they have, have an impressive capability um, all the way around, um, like, on, you know, on the Air Force side. Uh, but we're always trying to find new ways of doing things. Uh, we're always trying to, you know, make things better along the way. And so if you find yourself in a place where, you know, you feel uh, kind of inadequate or, well, why am I here? You know, whether it's me sitting on a test range telling people, you know, I want an Xbox controlled 
tank mm-hmm. um, or somewhere else. You're like, I'm not, why am I, what am I doing right now? Like, I don't, I don't know how to do that. Um, well, the people that you're talking to don't either. Right. So let's, let's figure it out. Let's, let's work together and, uh, and find a way to make it happen. And, um, you know, I guess the only other part of that is, is keeping your options open. Right. So when I was, when I was picking a major for college, I didn't know what I wanted to do. Right. That was incredible that you were expected to pick a career when you, you know, barely had a job. Um, and so, um, you know, I picked something that gave me a lot of breadth that gave me a lot of options because I didn't know what I wanted to do. You know, I'm good at these kind of subjects. Like I kind of have a natural proclivity towards, you know, math and, and all this other kind of stuff. Cool. Um, and they, you know, if they have cool jobs, they get paid to write. Um, let's go, let's go try that. Let's, let's jump in there and see, see what we can do. Right. So it, it wasn't one of those things where, you know, it was a calling or, Hey, I always knew I wanted to be, you know, such and such. Like that's not, that's not a thing I think for most folks. Um, uh, it's just so, you know, kind of thinking through the options and, and keeping your options open so that later on down the road, if you want to build on, on that, uh, you can. So, yeah, I'll starting to wrap up here. This has been um, really good. And I appreciate your time. Is there anything that I haven't talked about that you think is important to talk about or that I've just missed over? Uh, not right off. I mean, you know, are there, are there certain, uh, certain things about like aviation? We, you know, you're curious about, I mean, we can talk about uh, all different kind of parts of the air force. I mean, one of the different, one of the really cool things um and i mentioned this a little earlier is is all the moving around yeah right and you think about that like as individuals moving around but the when you think about it everybody's moving around it's not just you everybody is so you go and you make a group of friends and then you all disperse right you get to a new place where you don't know anybody and you make a new group of friends and then you all disperse and pretty Mm -hmm. soon you have friends over the across the entire world uh which is incredible, right? Doing things that yeah. um, that you see on the news, right? So they had the big um, uh, the airlift out of Afghanistan, right? Like I had I have buddies who were flying those airplanes, right? You have you know you know people who are doing the things that you see on the news, and uh, that's really cool, right? To have a network that uh, network like that, and to have a you know a friend group um, that uh, that is literally spread out over the globe. Right. Yeah. Yeah. No, this has been cool. And like I said, you know, it was interesting to hear like some of this stuff because you don't think about so much like behind the scenes testing. Yeah. Like, you know, or you hear like the Air Force, you hear always about the pilots. Right. But there's a lot of other different career paths in there that people don't necessarily realize about. Oh, yeah. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think pilots are something like some some single digit percentage of the Air Force. I mean, it's crazy. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, uh, and I think people think about that as like government contracts and stuff, too. I mean, you know, when you think of the military, you kind of think of military specific or unique equipment, you know, fighter jets or tanks or something. Um, but most of the Air Force is 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 normal stuff. Um, yeah, we have an incredible amount of office space. You know, we have uh, grocery stores and we have gas stations and churches and roads and bridges and we have you know we have to keep up an international system of cities and towns every day um we have bases all over the world 
where do they get their stuff from? They still have American products, right? And so there's a whole logistics network. There's an entire, you know, huge, massive organization that, um, that is designed to, to make all this run. And it's pretty interesting to see um, and to experience. Yeah. So looking back, like over, over your time, is there one maybe memorable experience that you've had that one day was like really cool where you got to do something a little bit different that you weren't maybe expecting to happen? Yeah, I mean, I, you know, there's a few things that kind of pop in my mind. Um, you know, I remember being, uh, being a test engineer and, um, you, we, you know, you show up a couple hours before the test and you've got a bunch of checks and things to do. And, you know, I remember being out on the flight line, you know, with all the airplanes and, you know, I'm sitting on the side of an F-15, um, you know, doing whatever checks we needed to like in the cockpit there to make sure the airplane sees the things attached to it. And, you know, I'm out there, it's like, I don't know, five 30 in the morning or something, five, five 30 in the morning, it's all dark, but you still got the, the lights, like you see in pictures and stuff. And you're sitting there pushing buttons on their fighter jet. And um, you're like, you know, you're, but you know, almost the only one out there. And, um, you know, to, to kind of look around and be like, that's freaking cool man this is like what am yeah. i doing right now yeah and just and, and you know and take a second to kind of look around and um you know appreciate where you're at right so you always kind of think about what you're doing what's right in front of you what what's happening this weekend what's happening in the next couple of years right that kind of perspective doesn't change right i mean i thought that way in school right hey you know i've got this to do this week or I want to do that something this weekend, right? Um, and it's the same thing now. Like you know, hey, what am I going? To, what, what projects, house projects, am I going to do? Um, and, and that kind of thing. But it's important to kind of look around every so often and appreciate where you're at, and uh, uh, just enjoy it along the way. Yeah, you know? it's not always about the next thing. Yep. So, is there one aircraft maybe? that you like really liked working on in terms of maybe it had good, um, like when you're doing weapons tests, like was there a particular aircraft that was just easier to work with? Maybe. I mean, not necessarily easy to work with. I mean, you know, uh, for me, I was focused on a certain subset of weapons, right. That, you know, tends to be employed off, off certain airframes. So you tend to work with those airframes, right. Based on yeah. just how that, how that weapon is going to be used or whatever. Um, the same goes for anything else. I mean, so, um, uh, organizations like the, uh, Air Force's test pilot school, uh, which is pretty, which is pretty awesome. Uh, if you look at you know, pretty much any astronauts resume, uh, that came through the military, there's going to have some kind of, some sort of test pilot school in there. Chances are, um, and the Air Force has one, the Navy has one, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but one thing I didn't realize was that you know, sure, pilots go through that, you know, Top Gun, whatever. Uh, but engineers do too. They never told yeah. me that. That wasn't in the, that wasn't in the brochure. Um, and uh, so they said, hey, you can go to test pilot school if you want, right? You know, that's pretty, that's pretty sweet. And so in a, in a um, you know, if you were to take that track uh, and to really kind of stay in the test world, uh, the flight test world, it was a fantastic opportunity um 
you know, they give you a ton of exposure to different aircraft. I think people usually fly, I don't know, something like 30 or 40 different kind of airplanes, helicopters and so on. Uh, as part of that program, it's all baked in. Um, so uh, for me, it was uh, a pretty, pretty, pretty narrow scope uh, in terms of what airframes I worked with. Um, but, um, you know, it's just cool to be on the flight line and see all the cool stuff going on. Yeah. I bet. So final question here. Um, you had the ability to time travel and a blank check. What three aircraft would you buy and why? Ooh, what three aircraft? Uh, let's see. How would I think about that? I'd probably go something with, uh, with a little speed. So I think something, um, you know, I think something like a Concorde would be, would be interesting. Um, I mentioned like uh, Hermes or Hermaeus, you know, supersonic is, is starting to, starting to come back right. uh, as a, a, maybe a bit more of a viable option. So uh, something along those lines would be pretty sweet. Um, I'd probably pick up something with agility. So um, uh, Afworks is uh, one of the things, one of the programs that we have is this thing called Agility Prime. Uh, if you're familiar with it, um, we're, uh, we're developing out, trying to drive the market in, in terms of electric vertical takeoff and landing. So yeah. think of a uh, super high-end quadcopter that can carry people around right. as like a personal vehicle. So, you know, we work with companies like Uber um, and, uh, you know, United Airlines is starting to buy these things. And, um, you know, so I'd probably pick up one of those vehicles that, you know, you can just kind of take from, you know, the backyard or something, uh, wherever you wanted to go. So that'd be pretty cool. And then for a third, um, I'd probably go, and this, this might be good for a speed choice too, but I'd have to go for like an SR-71 just because it's super sexy. Um, yeah. So that'd be, that'd be tough to pass up too. You can go, you can get fancy with it and go, uh, you know, rockets or space shuttles and that kind of thing. Um, which that's a whole nother, a whole nother world, literally and figuratively. Um, but those are, that's probably where I'd end up. Yeah. I think it's interesting. I asked people this question and I had another engineer on here who worked for Bose on headsets actually. And he said exactly what you said about the quad oh, yeah? doctors. Yeah. He yeah, said, it's, uh, it's really cool. Yeah. He said some form of like electric personal transport, you know, something like that. So, yeah, I mean, I the air force. You know we're really good at uh, at flying these really uh, exotic airframes over populated areas, and uh, so what we're doing is uh, we're helping some of these companies get their flight certification through the FAA uh, through our test processes and through oh, really? our due diligence, so that we're accelerating that market because we know it's something that we're interested in. Um, so that's that's really fantastic. I know. They had a uh, they had a quadcopter. I say quadcopter. That's that is wholly incorrect. They had a uh, an electrical vertical takeoff and landing uh, vehicle, uh, the Hexa, I think it was, that flew into University of Texas's football stadium. Oh yeah, I saw that. As yeah. part of uh, as part of a demonstration for for Afworks and the the chief of staff and and yeah. a few other folks. So that stuff is it's honestly it's farther along than I thought it was going to be. Uh, when we first started, which I think is is just the coolest thing in the world. Yeah, yeah, I remember. I think it was a press release or something for that. But it had a yeah, it's a huge deal. I mean, yeah. If you think about it, every industrial revolution 
has started with a new engine. So the steam engine yeah. locomotives, right. And the, that tame the West and you have, um, you know, you start seeing internal combustion engines, uh, facilitating, you know, flight, uh, right. of airplanes. And then you have diesels and you have like car engines and, you know, energy sources are, uh, you know, are what makes us, you know, allows big, big technological, technological jumps to happen and uh, getting to a place where, you know, electric power, whether it be in cars or, or aircraft or what have you, um, you know, just gives us a lot of options. We didn't even, we didn't even know we had before. So there's a lot of cool stuff uh, to be excited about. Yeah, for sure. All right. I'm going to go ahead and wrap the recording part of this. Um, thanks for your time today. I appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me. Please leave a rating and review on your favorite podcast app, subscribe, and we'll be back in 10 days with another great interview. So long.